What a glorious day that will be. <laughs> Amen. The, uh, the article, the, the poem by our brother Martin in the bulletin, I trust that all his people can enter into that. It's, uh, it's a little lengthy in the sense that uh, our brother Paul said it much more succinctly. <laughs> he, uh, he writes in Romans chapter 7, verse 24, Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Just before that, he said, Oh, oh uh, wretched man that I am. Now, that word wretched is uh, the word uh, we could render that faithfully and say, Oh, miserable man that I am. <laughs> um, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then in verse 25, he answers his own question. <laughs> I thank God, Jesus Christ, the Lord. He'll, he'll deliver me from the body of this death. Um, but I trust that that uh, poem by uh, our brother Martin will bless you to read that and contemplate that. It just serves for me as a, as a, as a bookmark to that portion of Romans chapter 7. Now, by way of in introduction, I'll just review what we looked at uh, last week. It was... Uh, the letter O we were looking at in our study of the Alpha, the Omega of our salvation, how the Lord Jesus Christ is the A to Z and everything in between of our salvation. Last week, we, we looked at the letter O, and I thought it would be uh, helpful for us to, to think on just the three main points, how our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, he's omnipotent to save, and we know then in Matthew, the last chapter in 28, he said, uh, and this is our risen Lord speaking. He tells them, go into all the world and uh, preach the gospel. And he tells them, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. And then he says, therefore, and our risen Lord says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. He is the omnipotent Lord and God, and he's mighty to save. He's omnipotent to save. It's not just in Matthew's gospel, but we also read in John chapter 17, there in the first part, he tells us why the Father has committed all things into his hands. In John 17, praying to the Father, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh. How come? That he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. So that was the first point we looked at last week. He's omnipotent to save. And he's omnipresent to keep. <laughs> he, we just read that promise, did we not? In Matthew, at the end there, he said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, unto the end of the age. And uh, to know that he's omnipresent. That's just the letter O. Uh, he's omnipotent to save, omnipresent to keep. And I was reviewing with you last week a verse many of you are familiar with, First Peter chapter 1, verse 5. It says how that we're kept by the power of God through faith, through Christ, through his faithfulness, unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. 
What an undeserved privilege we have, beloved, to speak of his faithfulness, <laughs> to speak of his never failing faithful, faithfulness unto his people. It says here in 1 Peter 5, who are kept through faith un, by, by the power of God, through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And then I came across this uh, other verse that uh, I pray the Lord's stuck it there in my heart. I won't forget it. <laughs> it's uh, just something he does. Does he not? He hides these precious verses in our hearts. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3, it says there, The Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And that's starting right here. <laughs> My evil heart. And also it speaks there of the evil one, does it not? And then the last uh, O we looked at, how he's uh, omniscient to humble. He's omniscient to humble. He makes us to know what we are in the glorious light of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Second Corinthians, if I'm not, not mistaken, chapter 4, it says there in verse... Six, how that God commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And in the moment that God does that, he puts our face right into the dust. He shows and teaches us in mercy and grace, not in wrath, but in love, beloved, how that we fall short of the glory of God. He's omniscient the humble. And that reminded us of this uh, beautiful picture of not only do we see our glorious majestic head in the Old Testament, but we see his body united to him and all the shells of Scripture. Uh, I believe it's uh, Job before the book of Psalms. And in the book of Job, verse chapter 22, verse 29, it says there that our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, He shall save the humble person. Well, who's the humble person? Our Lord expands on that and makes it plainly known who that humble person is. As speaking about His elect, He's speaking about real sinners, Matt, real sinners. And in John, uh, rather Luke, Luke chapter 18, we read about that real sinner saved by God's grace. A very instructive parable. The Lord taught us there in Luke chapter 18, verse 9. And our Lord spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Oh, beloved, that, that uh, Pharisee is still alive in this body of flesh where no good thing dwells. Lord, grant us to, to put on the new man and uh, kill that old man of flesh. Verse 10, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. <laughs> That's what all of us would think if left to our fallen nature. We come out of our mother's womb speaking lies. You know, I'm not so bad. My neighbor's worse than I am. And he went on to boast about himself. 
and contrast himself with other men, saying that he wasn't an extortioner, that he wasn't unjust, that he wasn't an adulterer, or even as this publican. Verse 12, I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, the, the humble person, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Our Lord says in verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, reconciled, saved, rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And uh, we see that, like I said, in Job 22, verse 29. When men are cast down, then thou shalt say, There is lifting up, and he shall save the humble person. Now this morning... We're going to look at another letter, and that's the letter P. And I thought about a lot of words that begin with the letter P, you know, the, the pearl of great price um, and uh, the, the, the good shepherd or the good pastor that our Lord and God is. But I thought we'd just look at one aspect, and that is uh, how that the Son, God's Son, His dear Son, is well-pleasing to the Father. Our Savior, our God, Jesus Christ, is pleasing to the Father. It says in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 17, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we read that verse just a moment ago in Matthew 17, verse 5, where in the latter part it says that, Behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. So why is he pleasing to the Father? Boy, we could spend a lot of time parking on that one for a while. Uh, he's perfect. That's, that's one reason. But so too he became perfect as a man. It reads If we read in Hebrews... Uh, there in chapter 5, verse 9, it says there, being made perfect. Now, as God, He already is perfect, but He was made perfect. He established a perfect righteousness on the earth on behalf of His people. And in doing so, what does it say there? He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey Him. And what it is to obey Him? when He gives you His grace to look and live, when He gives you your grace to repent and believe, repentance towards God and faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it is to obey Him. Uh, also, in being made perfect, we read this glorious verse in Hebrews 7, verse 25. Being made perfect... He became the author of eternal life that all that obey him. And then verse 25, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Now before I leave off that word perfect, remember the contrast, beloved, between what we are and who he is. 
Uh, in Genesis 6, verse 5, it says, The thoughts of our heart are, are only evil continually. That's why I need a Savior. That's why you need a Savior. But the Lord Jesus, in speaking of himself, he says, The Father has never left me. And this is John chapter 8, uh, verse uh, 28 and 29 in that area. He said, For I do always those things that please the Father. I'm so thankful, beloved. He stands as our surety, as the, the surety of the covenant of God's grace, that he's standing for me and for his people, doing those things that we can't do for ourselves. The law demands perfection. I can't do that, but he did that for us, beloved. And so, too, the law of God demands payment. And he did give that, that atonement, that uh, ransom, as he put it, he said, I did not come into the world to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many, for many. And so why is he pleasing to the Father? Because he's perfect. He is the perfect man. And so, too, he's uh, prosperous. That's how the Word of God describes him. Uh, in Psalm chapter 1, verse 3, uh, we've looked at that many times before, but I'm so thankful to know by God's grace that isn't describing you, that isn't describing me, that's not describing any man save one man, and that's the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. It says there, whatsoever he does, prospers. Whatsoever he does, prospers. And that gets carried through, not only do we read that in Psalm chapter 1 and verse 3, but also in Isaiah. In Isaiah's gospel, it says there in verse 10 of chapter 53, It says how that it pleased our Heavenly Father. It pleased the, the Lord to bruise his well-pleasing Son. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. That's when we talk about speaking about his faithfulness. We're speaking about how that... He shall save his people from their sins. He's not going to make a, to borrow an expression, he's not going to make an attempt. He's going to make an atonement for his people. And then in Isaiah 55, what an encouragement to preach the gospel. It's his word that he'll bless. It says there in Isaiah 55, verse 11, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. What does that remind you of? What does it remind us of, beloved? The holy calling of God in salvation. We read in Second Timothy, there in chapter 1, speaking about the salvation of God's elect, God's people. And Paul's writing to young Timothy, he's speaking about the gospel according to the power of God. And then in verse 9, he writes, Who hath saved us? When did he save us? In the eternal covenant of God's grace, in the eternal counsel of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, purposed to save a people, covenanted, agreed, put together a contract to save his people. And it says there, And called us. 
with an holy calling, a, a holy, irresistible call, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. That's why the Lord is so prosperous, because he's purposed to save his people, and not because of anything they've done or will do, but as, again, Paul wrote to Timothy, and he writes again to, to Titus the same gospel. In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, he writes, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. You know, Sandra and I were driving uh, down uh, the feeder road just here yesterday, and the parking lot was full. Gary, it was wall-to-wall cars at that place at CT Church, Community Transformation Church. And I guarantee you, they're not hearing this. They're not hearing this glorious gospel that we love to repeat and repeat and repeat. God, quicken us if this is just dead. Quicken me (laughs) if this doesn't comfort us. And give us joy unspeakable. When we walk out of here, (laughs) we can't contain ourselves. Because it's true. We have a full and complete pardon for all our sins through His precious blood. And we have a perfect righteousness that not only satisfies our holy, holy God. But you know what? We need a righteousness that will satisfy our conscience, Gary. Because we know better. We know that the true and living God demands perfection. And I don't got it. But the Lord Jesus Christ, as the surety of the covenant, he performed that which we cannot and never can nor will perform. What a, what a glorious uh, day that will be indeed. <laughs> Should for a moment our eyes are taken off of the Lamb and I glance to another sinner saved by God's grace there, we'll both know why we're there. <laughs> by God's grace and God's grace alone. Not through anything we did or didn't do but because God has everlastingly loved us in the covenant of His grace. That's why we rejoice when we hear from Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. It says, I, the Lord, changes not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Well, how come? Because His love doesn't change. Because His mercy doesn't change. Because His grace does not change towards His people. I mean... Do you know how undeservedly privileged we are to know what the glory of God is? What is the glory of God? Well, Moses asked, he didn't just ask, he begged, I beseech you, Jehovah God, show me your glory. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to have all my goodness pass before you, Moses. <laughs> and this is my glory. I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy and I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. And God's going to be glorified in the just salvation of his people. And just the same, he's going to be glorified in the just condemnation of the reprobate. The, the, those who, I mean, it's, it's so, it confounds the ungodly. It confounds those fleshlings, those who are in religion. They wouldn't understand this, Matt, if I said to them, good people go to hell. And bad people go to heaven. They'd they'd be perplexed at it. You see, only bad people are going to cry out for mercy. Only bad people are going to cry out, save me, else I perish. Because we know in this flesh, no good thing dwells. We know that. And we only know that by God's grace. He revealed this to us. 
Isn't it a comfort to trace over and over again back to the throne of God's sovereign grace, the reason why you believe right now where you sit? He said, this is the Father's will, he who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I shall lose nothing. He said in another place, as it is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught of God. And all who hear the Father and learn of him come to me. And we come to him not for, uh, uh, you know, to help him out, you know, save us because, you know, he did everything, but now we have to do something. That's not it. We come to him because we hear his voice and we hear his voice by his grace. And we come to him to rest in knowing that he saves us to the uttermost, the uttermost. So we're just looking at the letter P and, uh, if there's anything poor about this sermon, it has everything to do with me. <laughs> Nothing to do with our great God. Uh, we're just talking about why he's pleasing to the Father. He's perfect. As a man, he's the only perfect man to have ever lived. He's a prosperous Savior. Uh, that's what the scriptures say. Whatsoever he does, prospers. And I would add to that, why is he pleasing to the Father? Well, not only is he a perfect man, not only is he a prosperous man, but because the Father has committed into his hands all things, he's powerful. He's indescribably powerful. In John's Gospel, chapter 3, it says there, speaking of the Son, the Father loveth the Son and hath, and hath given all things into his hand. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand. And then in verse 36 of John 3, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. You, beloved, who believe on God's well-pleasing Son, the Christ, you have right now everlasting life. And for the reprobate, those who have been passed by in the, God, in the covenant of God's grace, it says here, He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. It's one or the other, beloved. You know, it's, it's not, there's no gray here. Uh, contrast what we just read there about the reprobate, the wrath of God abideth on him. But for you, beloved, for you who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ by his grace, it says there is therefore now no condemnation, condemnation no wrath. <laughs> to those who are in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's powerful. And in Matthew 28, we read that, how he has all power in heaven and earth. And in John 17, in his great priestly prayer, he speaks exactly why all he has power over all flesh. How come? To give eternal life to those the Father gave him. And because of his doing and dying, beloved, God the Father is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that leads me to my last point for this morning. We looked at how he's pleasing to the Father. Why? Because he's perfect. He's prosperous. He's all-powerful. He's given everything into the, into the hands of his faithful son. You know, the, the Father commanded him to come into this world to save sinners. And because of his doing and dying, because of his blood and his righteousness, we understand what Psalm 86 verse 5 is speaking about. You turn there with me. Beloved, because of the doing and dying of God's well-pleasing Son, he's plenteous in mercy. Well, who is he plenteous in mercy to? Uh, 
Well, it tells us in Psalm 86, verse 5. It says there, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive. It's done already, beloved. On the cross of Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ said, It is finished. And in glory, he says it again, It is done. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive. He's found a ransom. (laughs) And plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. And verse 1 of Psalm 86, it says, Bow down thine ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy, O thou my God, and save thy servant that trusteth in thee. Now, this is speaking about the greater David, of course, of course the lesser David, writing about the, the greater David. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Rejoice the soul of thy servant, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer, and attend to the voice of my supplication. And beloved, by His grace, we confess our sins. And and we do that, beloved, every time we look and live. Sinners look to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of sinners. And we do confess our sins, and because of the blood and righteousness of God's Son, God is plenteous in mercy. Indeed, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. He's the, to use another (laughs) letter P, He's the perpetual fount of pardon. There's no limit on His grace and His mercy towards His people. He's cleansed us truly and completely, not of some of our sins. I'd have no gospel if He only died for 99.999% of our sins. He died on the cross for our sins. Indeed, as the, the gospel announcement came from the very throne of God's grace, telling Joseph, name the child Jesus. How come? For he shall save his people from their sins. Well, I pray that that will bless you, beloved, to hear of his character as our Savior, as our God. And why he's pleasing to the Father. He's perfect. As a man, he is a perfect man. That's what God's law demands, perfection. And we don't have it, but he performed it for us. How that he's prosperous. <laughs> I mean, isn't that uh, the to, that uh, chorus that uh, Tyler likes to lead us on? You know, I'll sing of thy faithfulness, right? Or, or speak of thy faithfulness. And speaking of his faithfulness is speaking about how every sinner who looks to him for salvation shall be saved. Not maybe, not want to be, or perhaps, but he shall save his people from their sins. And he's all power to do it. He said, the Father has given me all power in heaven and earth. I have power over all flesh. We ask the Lord through the word of God, how come? He gives us the answer to give eternal life to them that the Father has given me. And not only is he perfect and prosperous and powerful, he's plenteous in mercy. Plenteous in mercy. He's the petro- he's the in his veins, in Emmanuel's veins, we find that perpetual fount of pardon. I'm so thankful for that. Amen.